Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I want to engage us in a conversation of what I want to call the mystery of the new birth. I want to have a conversation with you right through the Old Testament till now. I want to show you something. Sometimes we have heard people ask, or you have heard me ask sometimes when I'm preaching, or I believe this probably has come to your heart. Why did Jesus come? You see, when we read the Bible, there are many instances that spell why Jesus came. He says, I'm come that you might have life and life to the fullest. But what is the implication of that? Remember, he's given us two experiences, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he says, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But what is the meaning of that? And we will go through today to explore more what it means. I have shared around this for so long because the Lord spoke to me long ago that the biggest wall on the church of Jesus Christ is the understanding of new birth, the understanding of the new creation, the understanding of the authority of the new creation, the life of the new creation, the hope of the new creation, the wisdom of the new creation, the glory of the new creation. That is the biggest war toward the church. Satan has done everything over the years and in times memorial to make sure that the truths of God do not get to his people because he knows what we become when we get to know the truth. He says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He knows the power of truth. If he knows that the only antidote to your liberty is truth, he will do everything it takes for him to take away truth. He will do everything it takes to make sure that the right thing does not get to your spirit. Because when you get to know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Why are people bound with the authority that has been given to the church? Except they don't understand the authority that has been given to the church. Not many people across the world, believers, understand the power that is given to the new creation. Not many people understand the mystery of the new birth. And so every time in my life, God gives me the opportunity to break off bits and give you of that bread. I hope that by grace, somehow this picture is getting woven in your spirit. And finally, you will live the life that God has called you to live in Jesus' name. And all sense said, amen. Now, the Bible says, many of us know that. I want to show us a mystery here. In Isaiah, the 61st uh, chapter, from the first verse, Isaiah says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek, and he has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to captives and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim, listen, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn and to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now listen what happens because of that. Verse 4, and they shall build the old wests. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the west cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. In their glory shall you boost yourselves. For your shame shall ye have double and for confusion shall ye rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto thee. Now, I want to emphasize the verse uh, 4. Because of what God has done for the children of Israel, he says, they shall build the old wests, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the west cities, the desolations of many generations. These things express the nature of God. When the Bible says you will rebuild or raise up the former desolations or the old wests or repair the wasted cities, God is in the business of rebuilding exactly where the devil broke. It's just the nature of God. And I want you to keep that in the back of your head. When the children of Israel walk with God over the years, they start to realize that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in restoring, in rebuilding. He's not the God who will say, you know what? Get from these spaces and I'm going to take you to another. No, no, no. He wants to get where the devil broke. Where Satan bruised. Right there. He wants to go to that very place in the purpose of your redemption. Firstly, to build what is old and wasted. To raise up what was in desolation. And to repair what was wasted. And he calls that the desolations of many generations. It's a very important aspect to know God that way. It's a very, very powerful thing to understand that that's just the nature of God. That regardless of whichever battle that you have gone through, whichever wars that have tested you, whichever trials and temptations that have come in your way, in the purposes of God, his mind is to repair exactly from where the devil broke. You see, his interest is not to leave an inch to the devil to say, oh, you know, the devil took that away from you. And so, okay, let me get you this. No, he wants to go back, get that which the devil destroyed and rebuild that very thing first. That's the way of God. That is how he fights our battles. That is supposed to be the mindset of every believer concerning what you have gone through. That in every loss that I have seen, I believe to see that very loss rebuilt one day. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you were afflicted in your health, God wants to rebuild your health. If you are afflicted financially, God wants to rebuild your finances. If you are afflicted in your relationship, God wants to repair that relationship. 
if you were wasted in some way, God wants to rebuild that which was wasted. If you were desolate in any circumstance of life, God wants to begin from where you were made desolate and rebuild you again. There is nothing you have lost that God does not intend, if it is good, to go back to and rebuild first. Somebody shout hallelujah. To go back to and rebuild first. That's just the way of God. That's just the way of God. If you understand it, shout amen. amen. And may I decree this in the name of Jesus Christ. That you will and have entered the season in the name of Jesus Christ of a raising up of every form of desolation in your life. That you have entered a time of rebuilding whatever was wasted. Oh, receive it right now in the name of Jesus. That whatever was for repair and needed repair, God is going to send all the help, all the finance, all the aid, all the suckering to help you, realign you in whatever place was broken. Somebody has received it in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. Glory to God. And that's when he says that you shall receive double. He says, you shall receive double. You shall eat double of your confusion and you shall rejoice in the portion of your enemies. Now, in the New Testament, we see the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, let's follow this very keenly. From Luke chapter 1, we see him begotten. He's raised. And Luke is seeking to set in order these things. He wants to give us the order of the events of the Spirit. Because it's one thing to carry the narrative of Christ, but without the right order of the Spirit. The Spirit realm is a patterned realm. You see? You see, God wants to build a temple, but he has to raise a Bezalel to help draw the pattern of how this temple should go. This is a spiritual edifice, you see? But God wants to draw the pattern for which they should follow when they're building. God is a pattern God. I've always emphasized that. God is a principle God, but a pattern God, most importantly. If you understand God from a principle pattern perspective, it's amazing how everything will make sense for you. He has a pattern in his way. You see? Let me give you an example. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, the 11th verse, For I know the plans or the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you unexpected end. Now, if you read the Hebrew word there for thoughts or plans, you see, you will be impressed to find that it's more than just the inventions and the devices or the ideas that he thinks towards you. That word is actually from an old Hebrew root that translates the weaving of a thing as one which makes fabric. You see that? So the thought pattern of God concerning your life is like a weaving of a thing. It's like a pattern of a thing. There is no event or human affair that is independent of the other. Even that which was bad. God deals out with the bad, are you hearing me? And gets the good out of every situation and weaves it together because one day he wants to make a certain fabric out of you. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is the substance, the Greek word material. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That which makes of substance is the material. He wants to create a certain material out of you to define your place of faith and life for your future. Nothing in your past, however bad, God has no plan over to turn into good. That is why he says, for all things work. You think when he said that, he did not know what you would do? You think when he made that sentence, he did not know what was good in you and what was bad in you? You think you're screwing up, shocked him? 
It did not shock him. But he still says, and we know, it's a place of knowledge. It's not a place of wishful thinking. It's a place of understanding and knowing the way of God. For we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. God has a way even of getting into the mistakes you made. Are you hearing me? And creating a certain experience to restore you out. And still give you a better story than the beginning. That is why I want to say this so strongly. That the devil is a liar. He has gotten into the hearts of some individuals. To think that because you messed up in 1997. Or you messed up in 2002. Or because you messed up in 1965. That is where God ended with you. God has not ended with you. His plans are still continuous. And yes there are bends and there are turns on your story. But there is a weaving of God that will turn out beautiful in the end. For we know that all these things are working together for our good. That which the enemy has aimed for bad, the scripture says, the Lord will turn into good. But you must believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you will sink in the deceptions and the guilt consciences that will come through your life over the years and destroy you because of ignorance. See, the conscience is an important thing. It must be aligned to the realities of truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say amen. amen. And so, everything on your life is being woven. It's like a weaving of God. One thread is connected to the other. Doesn't matter the bending. Something is connecting to your life since the day you were born. You see? And the Bible says we see the sufferings of Job. But the Bible doesn't say, and his end. No. And the end of the Lord. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Uh, James 5.11. He says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. For you have heard, he says, of the patience of Job and have seen, listen, the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He's very pitiful and of tender mercy. There was something being woven for your story. You see? Jesus Christ in the New Testament, you see, Luke has understood it. And so he tells Theophilus, that you see, having had an understanding of these things, of course, many have set in order a declaration of those things which were most solely believed among us. And he says, even as they've delivered them unto us, which were from the beginning, our eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, he says, it seemed good to me also, he's telling now Theophilus, having had the perfect understanding of these things from the very first, which was first, which was second, which was third, which was fourth, to write them in a particular order to you, most excellent Theophilus, because it's the only way, he says, verse 4, you might have the certainty of the things which you have been instructed. Now, we understand the order of the Spirit. We see the Christ now in Luke as Luke is trying to give us a pattern. We see him being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. You see? Before that, we don't see Jesus do miracles. Before that, we don't see Jesus doing signs. Before that, we don't see him do wonders. But we see him carried or led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. And then he's tested immensely in the wilderness. The Bible says, and he returned, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and the Bible says, and there went out a firm of him throughout the region and round about. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now follow. Look at the pattern. Luke has seen a pattern. Okay? And the Bible says, verses 15, and then he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Verse 16, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. That means that Christ always used to go to the synagogue. He was a lover of the praise of God. He was a lover of the prisons since he was a child. But we don't see any miracles of this man from childhood to that age, about 30. Now, the Bible says, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up for to read. Verses 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Listen. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Where did he find? Again, Isaiah 61. He finds Isaiah 61. Now, this is the Christ opening Isaiah 61. This is the scripture that is most notable read. After he has been led of the Holy Ghost in the wilderness. I want you to follow. And coming from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't lose that. Why? Because it's important to know what is this first thing that is emphasized of the Messiah when he's entering the second dimension of his ministry or his life. The second dimension of the spirit. Because as we see, after that is when we start to see the miraculous and the Christ. Before that, we don't see the miraculous power of Christ. Yes, he's a 100% son of God. Now, follow me. First scripture, he says, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Uh-huh. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, listen, to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And verses 20, and he closed the book. The next line should have been, and the what? And the vengeance of the Lord. But when he gets to the judgment or the vengeance of the Lord, he does not read that deliberately and he closes it. Pam. The Bible says, and gave it again to the minister and sat down. Now, you need to understand what he came to do. There's a reason when he speaks the acceptable year, in the year of acceptation, the book is closed. He does not speak of, because if you go back to Isaiah, again, the 61st verse, when he speaks verses 2, to proclaim the acceptable year, 61 verses 2, and the day of vengeance of our God. You see, he did not emphasize the day of vengeance of our God. And there's a reason. There's a reason. Don't assume that there's no reason. You see, I've said that before. Now let's continue a bit here. When he preaches and he closes the book and he gives it to the minister and sits down, and the Bible says, And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, now listen to the verse 21, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. But what Isaiah spoke, this is the fulfillment of it. This is the fulfillment of it. And the moment he gets to that fulfillment, then the first miracle starts. And then the miraculous ministry of Jesus Christ begins. Somebody shout hallelujah. The miraculous ministry of Jesus Christ begins. He starts indeed as he has prophesied to give sight to the blind. He starts indeed as he had prophesied to heal, set free the brokenhearted. He continues to preach deliverance to the captives. 
He starts to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. He starts casting out devils. He starts cleansing lepers. He starts rebuking sicknesses. Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. Now the scripture has started. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now the scripture has what? Has started. The end of that, if we go back in the mind of Isaiah 61, this is the action of rebuilding what was desolate. This is the action of repairing that which the devil had wasted. This is the action of raising up that which the devil had broken. Blind people are not made blind by God. I want you to understand the miracle life or the mystery of the miraculous. Blind people could be born blind because the spirit of blindness can come upon them in the womb. You see, like the Bible speaks of a man which was what? Crippled from the mother's womb. From the mother's womb. Not eternally. He wasn't made crippled by God. No, but the Bible speaks of him crippled from his mother's womb. Some people are blind from their mother's womb. That means the attack of blindness on that child was not God's original plan for that child to become blind. But rather that blindness came because Satan gets into the womb of a woman and creates blindness. That's why I tell women which are pregnant... Know how to possess your womb. Know how to speak into your womb. Know how to align your womb in pregnancy. Because Satan does not only attack people at birth. He can actually attack one in the womb. That is why we hear things like miscarriages. That is why we hear things like barrenness. Because some people's attacks are not without. Some people's attacks are within. There's a difference between a woman who has ever conceived before. But is not able to give birth. And a woman who has never conceived. One's womb has ever opened. And so in the spirit realm, she has overcome the place of the opening of that womb. But she has trouble that when the womb is open and conception takes place, death comes into that womb and kills it. You see that? Another one, death is at conception. Those two are ministered too differently. Those two. When you are a minister, you should know that there's a difference between one whose womb has never opened and one, yeah, she could have miscarriages, one, two, three, four, five, six, but at least there is a point of conception in that womb and then after the devil attacks that which has been conceived. You see? But there is another thing when one has not even the power to conceive. Those are two different things. Remember when they're talking about our mother, Sarah? He says, for through faith, we understand that Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She received strength to conceive seed. The attack on mother Sarah was not a death after conception, no. The attack on mother Sarah was in the place of conception. Her womb did not have power to conceive. You see what I'm saying? Now, conception, the word is concept. The idea. That means her womb had not conceived the idea to carry life. Her womb had not defined or received or alluded to the idea of carrying life. You see, when you're praying for such a one, you're commanding the womb to conceive, to get the idea, to align itself like a ground would carry the conception of a seed. And that seed is proud from the ground to have life. You see that? It's different from a person who has the idea or has the concept of raising life or of building life. And then when that conception takes place, then the attack comes and kills. You see that? 
is different from a person who has conceived, yes, and then blindness comes into the womb, or deafness comes into the womb, or dumbness comes into the womb, or crippledness comes into the womb. You see that? That was not God's original plan. When you understand that, the lame will start walking. Because you realize it's not so much the miracle of the crippled man walking, but rather the repairing to return something or somebody back to their original state of God's mind concerning their lives. That is how the miraculous should be seen. You see that? That's how the miraculous should be seen. You must see the lame man straight. And then see the work of the devil crippling him. Then see yourself as a minister getting back that which God originally had in plan for this man. You will see that it is easier than to think that this man is originally crippled and that you just want to see them walk. That's not the way of God. That's not the way of the spirit. That's not how the miraculous works. The miraculous is a restoration. It's a rebuilding It's a ministry of the repairing of that which is wasted. It's a ministry of rebuilding of that which has been made desolate. That's how you should look at when you're praying for the sick. Was your heart supposed to be like that? Did God make it like that? Did God make your kidneys not to function like that? Somebody did that. You see that? Oh, why is your pancreas sick? Somebody did that. And so when we are praying for the sick... We are doing exactly that which the Christ did. You see? The recovery of sight. Why does he call it the recovering of sight to the blind? That means they were not originally blind. God's mind for them was not originally blindness. God did not create them blind. Understand this because if you do, you will walk in the power of the miraculous. It's recovering of the sight to the blind. Recovering of sight to the blind. Think about it. So it's recovery, it's restoration, it's repair, it's rebuilding. Jesus, he says, from today, this scripture hath been fulfilled. And when Jesus mentions that, and then he enters the miraculous life, and then he starts to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lip, and doing all these kinds of miracles, I want you to understand that the fulfillment of that scripture from Isaiah 61 to Luke chapter 4 when he starts his ministrations of the healing and the miraculous, I want you to understand Jesus had not yet died. So that is not the mystery of the new birth. That is not the mystery of the new birth because Jesus had not yet been crucified. He had not yet been crucified. So as he continues to do all these miracles, the signs and wonders, bear in mind, he has not yet shed his blood for you. He's not yet wounded for your transgressions. He's not yet bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace is not yet upon him. We have not gotten to the fulfillment of bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows. A man chastised for you. No, we've not yet gotten there. So he starts his earthly ministry and then he starts to heal the sick. And that's a problem. Some New Testament believers are stuck in Isaiah 61. Yet the New Testament had not begun. In Luke chapter 4, the New Testament had not begun. When the dead are raised, the New Testament had not yet begun. The new covenant was not yet in what? In place. Somebody said, amen. amen. 
And so, yes, he does all these kinds of miracles. We don't leave him there. Oh, let me even add this. When he gets to his disciples and he says, Behold, I give you power to trample on snakes and scorpions, and nothing of these things shall by any means hurt you. He was not yet crucified. That was provisional. Somebody said, hallelujah. He's just trying to multiply his authority to extend that which he has been given, to give it to more, so more should be done according to what was prophesied by God concerning his life as Jesus Christ. So that is why when Paul understands that mystery later, he can give that authority to a hanky. Who is following what I'm saying? When Paul understands that mystery, he can give that authority to a hanky. The Bible says, and from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs. And the Bible says, aprons. And the disease departed from them and evil spirits went out from them. Why? Because from his body, he could even give provisional authority to a hanky. And it touches a cripple and he will walk and a blind man and he will see and a dead body and he will rise. That provisional power is the very power that the disciples of Jesus Christ function in. So the life of the new birth is more than anything hurting you. Somebody shout amen. amen. That is why when a viper is fastened on his hand, Paul didn't pray. He didn't claim the scripture. Oh, you said that none of those things shall any means harm us. No, the Bible says when the viper sticks on his hand, he just goes on the fire and shakes it off because it's not even a place of prayer. Oh, I don't know whether somebody's going where I'm going. Somebody shout amen. So yes, that scripture is fulfilled that day. But when Jesus goes on the cross and he said, it is finished. Isaiah 61 is finished. Isaiah 61 is finished. Now I'm wounded. It all is finished. We need to go back to Isaiah 43 to understand exactly what happens after that birth. Because remember, scripture says he dies on the cross. And later in the New Testament, we see the account of what happens. Father, into thine hand I commit my word, my spirit. And then he goes in hell. You remember that? And the Bible says, and he spoiled the principalities. And he shook them. And not, he showed them openly as a triumphant one over them all. And then he takes the keys of death. And then he possesses them. Hallelujah, glory to God. And then he returns in the glory of having defeated everything. That was a day when all hell broke loose. The devil got all his demons, all his courts and got them together for this one war. And this man goes right down there, Colossians, it says in the Amplified, he disarmed the principalities and powers that were raged against us and made, listen, a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him in that which is at the cross. There was no devil that stayed back in that attack. Every demon that day, the devil just decided to send through all his power, full throttle. And Jesus displayed a public example. And defeated all of them. Isaiah had seen that life too. And he says in Isaiah 43, the 18th verse. Now he's talking to the New Testament. He says, 
Remember ye not the former things. That means when we are starting the New Testament, eh? don't think of the former. There was glory in the former, but remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. And he says, behold, I will do a new thing. The New Testament, New Testament is a new thing. And I'm talking about the mystery of the new birth. He says, now it shall spring forth. He says, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way. Now, if you're a reader of the Bible, you already see where I'm going. He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. And he says, and the beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts to drink to my people, my chosen. Now understand this. Here, he has underlined the word chosen. Now, he says, behold, I do a new thing. Follow the language. It shall spring forth. This is an addition. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, already I told you, if you go to a desert and find a city and attack it, many parts of Israel are dry, and attack it and break everything and leave a city desolate and wasted, and then a man, a stronger man comes and repairs those cities and rebuilds them or probably even to a finer or better glory than they were before. You see, that is what Isaiah 61 is talking about. Here he said, now he's adding, I will even, I will even, listen, make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will even put rivers in the desert. Do you understand what I'm saying? I will even, when he says, I will even, I will even make rivers in the desert. If I say I will make even rivers in the desert, he means to say, this thing that has come is more than just repairing a city. It is even changing the original geography and topography of a thing. <laughs> it's more than just repairing or making a lame man walk. No. Do you know how a desert looks like? This new thing that I'm bringing will put a river in that desert. It will change the shape of a thing. It will create what is impossible to grow in the desert to grow. Somebody shout hallelujah. It will make what is out of order to appear in the wilderness, to appear. That is the mystery of the new birth. The mystery of the new birth is more than making lame men walk and blind eyes seeing and deaf ears hearing. That is, oh, it happened before the New Testament. Miracles happened before the New Testament. The Elijah's raised dead bodies. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Elijah's raised dead bodies. You see? Miracles happen before the, New the, New, the, the, before the New Testament. In the old, we see, oh, men separated waters. The New Testament is bigger than what Moses could do or what God could do through Moses. The New Testament is bigger than what God could do through Abraham. The New Testament is even bigger than what God could do through Jesus Christ in the flesh. Because when he sees where you're going, he says... <laughs> Greater things. This is the language. He says, greater things. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do also, 
he shall do and greater and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Greater works than these shall he do. So yes, he shall rebuild the cities. But through him, I will even create rivers in deserts. Oh, God wants to use you more than just building a city in Kampala. God wants to do more in you than just opening blind eyes and raising dead people. But are you elevated? Are you awakened to the vision of God concerning your life? That's why when he saw it, he says, who shall believe our report? Because he wants to do things in your life that are unbelievable. And I decree upon your life, may men start calling you cult because of the miracles that are working out of you. May men say, uh, this this one we didn't even see Jesus doing it in the flesh but he's doing it through another man may people start saying things because of the miracles that will happen in your life may they call it names it's okay if they call it wrongly ah uh -uh, that's all right don't even mind what they call it but are you ready to enter the new glory he says the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former he shall be greater oh there's a man saying, I want to learn how to make the lemon walk. Oh, you're so fallen. You are so fallen. You need help. God is not even there. He's not even there. He's talking about appearing in a place and creating something that is not supposed to appear. I'm not talking about putting something that in its natural order should be there. He's talking about a life of putting something. You see, can any good come out of Nazareth? That's an example. That nothing good could come out of Nazareth. And that is where the Lord God chose to put life. Oh, they had not seen it. They had not seen it. So, live the life of thinking that God has just called you to do miracles. Already the world is a miracle. When the sun shines every morning, it's a miracle. You see? Everything you touch, feel, and taste is a miracle. And it has a newness every day. Jesus has not called the church to walk as he was. Jesus has called the church to live as he is. Hello? This is love made perfect that you might have confidence on the day of judgment. The word there for judgment is crisis. On the day when crisis has come. Because as he is, so are we in this world. He didn't say as he was. He did not say as he was. Listen, he did not say as he was. The Bible says as he is, not as he was, as he is. So are we in this world. What is he now? What is Jesus now? What is he like now? He's beyond Isaiah 61. He's beyond that. So when Paul starts walking that life, he says if any man be in Christ, if any man, whether Jew or Gentile, whether slave or free, whether black or white. Be in Christ. He says he is a new creature. Because of that new thing that I did. Now think about it. And he says all things are passed away. Remember when he says remember you not the former things or the old things. And he says and behold all things are become new. When you understand that you will not even rebuke a virus in your body. It will be rebuked. <laughs> no, it will be rebuked. We are getting to a level where people will start feeling sorry for disease if it enters your body. If people say, you got COVID, I feel sorry for COVID. We start praying for disease. 
Because it has entered life. Oh, he says, behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. Whether in your family there was hypertension, all things now in your body are become new. And he says, and all things are of God. 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 All, 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 all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ? And that is the ministry he has given the New Testament to reconcile men back unto him. All things are of God. All things are of God. All things are of God. Capital G. Your body is of God. Your soul is of God. Your thoughts are of God. Your dreams are of God. Your creations are of God. Your imaginations are of God. Your interpretations are of God. Your conceptions are of God. If that is understood, now I understand when he's telling them, so if you believe, you shall speak to this mountain, be thou removed from there and be thrown into your under place. And people compare that mystery to rebuking cough and flu. No, 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 no. He was serious. He said, when you get to that level, if you can create a river in a desert, it means you can tell one mountain to move from from one place and go to another he told me we have not just explored or exploited what is available for us but too much is available too much is available too much is available a story is given of Kenneth E. Hagen in the times of the Berlin Wall you remember the divisions within Germany and they wanted that wall broken. There was a lot of bloodshed to be seen and a lot of divisions to be drawn between people. A story is given that Christians reach out to Kenneth e. Hagen and he tells them, I guarantee you, if you take my book, The Believer's Authority, past those walls, those walls will break without a shedding of blood. And these men believed it. And got the book called The Believer's Authority and read it. And they prayed in the authority given. And those walls were broken without shedding blood. Because some people prayed. If we understand this, we will change governments. We will promote and demote. We will appoint and disappoint. We will plant or uproot. If we understand what is available for us, we will turn third world nations into first world nations. We will turn the most wasted places in the world into the most coveted places in the world. And in speeds and times bigger than human history or timelines can afford. With God, all things are possible. There's a Christian who does not even believe they'll be healed of a disease. Yet because of the mystery of the new birth, we're supposed to even be past that. We're supposed to be creating things that are impossible. Or putting things where natural process cannot provide possibility. So what will they call us? What will those who see us call us? That's why I said, may men call you names because they can't explain what's upon your life. Because if Jesus in the body 
was called the Prince of Beelzebub because that was the only way they could define him. They should call us more because the student is not greater than the master. Somebody shout amen. But these realities are open to us as the church, the body of Jesus, that our prayers will change. Now, this will not relate to everybody, depending on where people are. But if you have been following these days and what God is speaking to us these days, you understand what I'm saying. This is the church that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ. This is the church that is going to gather heavenly hosts and Abraham and Moses will say, let's sit and attend this service because something is going to happen that is going to make heaven smile, that is going to bring an applause in the heavenlies. He says, we have a crowd of witnesses that are looking at you every day. Heaven is counting on you to do something on the earth. The Bible says their testimony would not be complete without us. Hallelujah. So why do we run this race with patience? Looking at what is set before us. Because God provided a better thing for us that they are prophets before without us. Should not be made perfect. Hebrews eleven forty. Should not, not will, not might, not shall. He says they should not be made perfect. There is something Jeremiah is waiting for to happen through you. There is something Elijah is waiting for to happen through you. Oh yes, Joshua stopped the sun. But he cannot be completed because you're the one which perfects them. And it's more than just righteousness imputed on you by faith. It's more than just the walking or the blind seeing. These men had seen it all, but they are waiting to see something they've never seen before, and I'm ready to do it in Jesus' name. If you're all ready, just raise your hands right now and start to speak to God. Come on, speak in other tongues. The more I know you is the more I want to know Jesus, more I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you. The more I know. Is the more I want to know you, Jesus, more. to decree upon your life in the name of Jesus. 
that you remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, and which have been great, but God calls you to a higher glory. And that is expressed in the shedding of his blood and being raised to glory. And we have been begotten to a newness of life with a lively hope. This new creation and life is of God in all aspects. And creation groans for our manifestation. The things of the earth are ready to comply to the destiny of the gospel. And they look to you. The witnesses both in heaven and the earth are looking to see what you will do with that life. And I pray for you that may you shine for God. May you live big for God. May you believe big for God. May you do big for God. May rivers come out of deserts. May God do things that are not in the natural order of life, even to restore. In Jesus' name, I pray and believe it. Amen. It's done. Give the Lord a mighty of praise. Come on, clap, 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 clap for Jesus. 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 If you are there and you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give you one of the most amazing opportunities of your life. I cannot tell what's going to happen to you tomorrow, next week or next year, but I can tell what can happen and will happen for you this moment, the moment you open your heart. The Bible says there is no name under the earth or in heaven by which men are saved, save the name of Jesus Christ. You just need to say these words with me. Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. I believe you're the true and only Son of God that came to save mankind. And all of us become sons through faith. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.